Hey true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. Hey everybody, welcome back to Serialistly with me, Annie. I am here to be your true crime bestie today and break down everything going on in the true crime world. Some of the wildest cases happening right now, a couple of updates in some crazy ass cases, which let me just say, side note, Chad Daybell will have cameras in court for his trial. Unlike Lori, who only had cameras during verdict and sentencing, he will have cameras in court. So holy shit, we're going to have a lot to talk about and a lot of stupid facial things that he makes that we get to call out and decipher and see what the hell his stupid Peter Griffin face is doing and it's just going to be a a wild time. What a wild time to be alive. Um, I hope you guys are all having a good week. Uh, I want to kind of just jump right in I guess because we've got a couple cases too that are going to be a little bit of longer updates today because there really is quite a bit of information and quite a bit to talk about but it doesn't necessarily warrant a deep dive or a full episode. So just roll with me on this besties, okay? So let's start with this woman who has now gone missing on a cross-country trip with her ex-boyfriend. Catherine Ann Ferguson, who also goes by Katie, is a 33-year-old mother of two daughters, one who is four and the other who is just 11 months old. In October, Katie decided to take a cross-country road trip with her ex-boyfriend Adam Avias, who is 26 years old, and also both of her daughter's father. Now, it's unclear what exactly the dynamic between Adam and Katie was since they were exes, yet they did share their children. According to court documents, Katie had been quote-unquote clean for quite some time, but had recently relapsed on an unknown drug, and she apparently had called Adam for help and had wanted him to pick her and the girls up from Alabama, where her mother lives, and then to take them to Cody, Wyoming, where Katie had recently lived before coming down to Alabama. So Adam came to Alabama and was there for several weeks with Katie and the girls before they made their way to Wyoming in early October. As they were traveling, they stopped in the Little Rock, Arkansas area where Katie allegedly apparently did a drug run. But after that, the details of the rest of the trip back to Wyoming are still a bit of a mystery. However, Adam and the girls made it back to Cody before Halloween and made it back without Katie. So by November 2nd, Katie's mother had not been able to get a hold of Katie for quite some time, and when she realized that she wasn't in Cody with Adam, she filed a missing persons report. This case initially did not pick up much traction by the media. However, her family spoke about Katie's disappearance on several social media platforms so that they could get her story and pictures out in the public. Shortly after Katie was reported as missing, police went to Adam's dad's house where he was living, and when asked about Katie, he said that she was fine and just doesn't want to talk to her mom. However, a few days later, Adam was arrested for possession of meth and for taking his dad's truck without permission, both misdemeanors. But that wasn't all. You see, Adam had a gun on him, and authorities found numerous rounds of ammunition. Well, Adam is a convicted felon, as well as just what appears to be an overall dirtbag. So, of course, he isn't supposed to have any of that on him. So, federal charges were filed, charging Adam with possession of a firearm or ammunition. 
And then later, law enforcement discovered a black Dodge Durango registered to Adam on November 4th, and it was abandoned and in disrepair near the Oregon Basin in Park County, Wyoming. So the suspicion around Adam having something to do with Katie's disappearance was obviously a given. He's the ex, they go on this trip, she doesn't make it the whole way, it's extremely suspicious. Also feels a little Gabby Petito, Brian Laundrie reminiscent, right? However, all of the suspicion ultimately came to a head when the criminal complaint in his federal charges was made public. You see, according to the documents, the abandoned Durango had trash bags blocking the view through the window. So deputies on the scene broke a window to make sure nobody was in the Durango who might have been injured or needed medical treatment since the car was in such bad shape. Well, when they were able to see inside the vehicles, deputies found that the front passenger seat was missing. There were also Clorox wipes, a loaded pistol, and an odor that the sheriff described as putrefied blood. Obviously not looking good, and it would lead any true crime sleuth like you listening that he probably killed her in the passenger seat and then removed the passenger seat since it had all the evidence on it. So investigators also saw what they described as a projectile hole in the passenger door and it was concealed with tape. Additionally, a large quantity of dried blood, three fired 45 bullets, parts of the vehicle trim and trash bags in the back of the truck, cleaning supplies, tools, and various other items, including clothing, and they were all covered in blood, which were found in the Durango. And it gets worse. While police were inspecting the truck initially, Adam allegedly approached the scene with a can of gasoline. When asked what he was doing, he said he was there to fill the gas tank because the truck was his and it needed gas in order to run. Which, hello, if you're, again, if you're a true crime sleuth, you're probably thinking, uh, no, homeboy was coming back with the gas can because he was going to burn the truck, all of the contents in it, and he was going to destroy all the evidence. That was the plan, obviously. But little did he know that the plan was about to be foiled. On November 5th, investigators checked a national database to check and see if Adam had been pulled over on the way up to Wyoming. And, big surprise here, he had. Twice, as a matter of fact. On October 5th, Adam and Katie were both seen on this body cam footage that was taken by police in Arkansas. On October 9th, a few days later, Adam was seen again on body cam footage when he was pulled over in Texas. However, this time, Katie was not in the vehicle with him. Then, on October 8th, during a forensic interview that was conducted by the FBI in Montana, Katie and Adam's four-year-old daughter had said something about her dad accidentally hurting her mom. Since reporting Katie is missing, her family has had just this horrible feeling in their stomach, in the pit of their stomach, that something happened to her. Katie's sister said, I never in a million years thought he would do something to her. I didn't, but now I think he did, and I think it was really bad. I don't think she's alive. I really don't. I just really hope that he, Adam, will talk and just say what happened. I love her, and I don't want to be negative, but I don't think she's coming home, but I at least want her to be found. Now, Adam hasn't been charged with murder or any other charges related to Katie's disappearance, but he is in custody because of those gun charges, and for now, police are still investigating the case. I mean, let's just call it what it is, guys, right? I need, I understand innocent until proven guilty, but it seems obvious that something happened here. Katie's missing. The whole passenger seat is gone. There were three fired bullets recovered, a bullet hole in the passenger side door, all the dried blood, all the Clorox wipes, all the other items that were covered in blood in the car, him returning with a gas can to allegedly fill it with gas, but aka probably burn the evidence. 
So what really happened? Did Adam shoot Katie while she was in the passenger seat in front of their daughters? I mean, clearly he had to explain something to the four-year-old because she witnessed something, and he tried to convince her that whatever did happen was an accident, even though it clearly was not because there were three bullets fired. As I mentioned earlier, Katie does have a history of drug use, but so does Adam. So, I mean, he was charged with possession of meth, and according to his dad, he also has been known to use heroin and many other drugs. So, I think it's possible that if she did, quote-unquote, go on a drug run, whether he was using drugs, she was, they both were, maybe there was an altercation, maybe they were high and this there was an accident, maybe he thought he was firing blanks and he was trying to threaten her. I mean, who the hell really knows? But something sinister clearly happened in that vehicle, something that the four-year-old, I would assume, must have witnessed, but maybe is too young to quite understand what it is that she saw. And now they're probably just still putting all the puzzle pieces together. I don't have any doubt in my mind that Adam will soon be charged, but I've seen crazier things happen, so I guess we just have to watch and see. Speaking of crazy, batshit crazy things happening, um, let's talk about Alex Murdoch for a second, because once again, this asshole is back in the news. This like piece of shit. I'm sorry. I just don't like this guy. And I'm so over seeing him come across my news reports on my phone, on my computer, on YouTube. It just like enrages me because I hate his face. I hate it. But he's back in the news again. And this time it's because in the 11th hour before his financial crimes trial, Alex and the prosecution came to a plea agreement. Alex agreed to plead guilty for a sentence of 27 years. Prior to the sentencing beginning, though, one of Alex's attorneys, Dick Harpoodlin, which honestly, I can't even begin to tell you how funny I think that name is. Call me a third grader, but Dick Harpootlian or whatever it is, I mean, I can't. But anyways, he asked the judge to not allow any of the victim's attorneys to speak since they have been speaking out on social media about how much they can't wait to essentially fuck Alex up and also accuse them of using this opportunity as an infomercial for themselves so that they can sell t-shirts, bobbleheads, all of the things. Ultimately, the judge said that the attorneys were allowed to talk. And let me just tell you, the attorneys brought the absolute heat in their statements to Alex. Take a listen. This was predatory behavior. This wasn't Enron, it wasn't WorldCom, it wasn't stealing money from faceless people, from shareholders. This was Alex Murdoch stealing money from those that were closest to him. Gloria Satterfield, who broke bread with him and his family for 22 years, helped raise his kids. Jordan Jenks, that you'll hear from, lifelong friend, since they were eight years old, grew up, played ball together. This is close theft. This is the unicorn of all thefts. And, you know, he's on the Mount Rushmore of all criminals. He hit for the cycle. You know, he's convicted of money laundering, convicting of conspiracy, convicting of fraud. And most importantly, hit the home run, he was convicted of double murder. This is somebody that has tarnished our legal profession and tarnished our state. And, you know, we spent the past two years focusing on Mr. Murdoch. But today is when we focus on the victims. And Gloria, you know, I get very frustrated when I hear that she was just a housekeeper. Um, she was so much more than that. I think Alex would agree she was so much more than that. She helped raise their kids, of uh, Maggie and Alex's kids, Paul and Buster. She was a, a good woman. She was a good mother to Brian and Tony. And um, Alex exploited that woman, the woman who was in his house, the woman who helped raise his kids. He exhibited this type of predatory behavior where these people are not as educated as he was and is as a former lawyer. And he knew that they had something valuable. And he believed that their cases were his cases instead of the cases belonging to the client. 
And when I heard Mr. Waters get up and, and go through the litany of crimes, I got nauseous. I'm sure I'm not the only one that got nauseous here. And so let's not delude ourselves. He's not just guilty of 22 crimes. He's guilty of all 102 of those crimes. And he will live knowing that he is guilty of those crimes. And, you know, I heard when he pled guilty, I wasn't in the courtroom a couple weeks ago, he used the words, I wrongfully obtained. That's not wrongfully obtained. He stole. Use the right word. He was a thief. He used the word and said, I misrepresented. No, you didn't misrepresent. You lied. That's what, that's what we have to talk about in this courtroom. He was a thief, and he stole, and he lied to these clients, those that are closest to him. He lied to his law partners. He lied to his own brother. No, we were supposed to have a trial, but for his plea two weeks ago. What happened next? They attacked the jury pool in Buford County. Incapable, incapable of being objective and fair because of all of the publicity, the pretrial publicity. They didn't end it there. They attacked you. They filed a motion to recuse you from hearing the Satterfield case, saying that you, who was given your time, your sweat, and your blood, that you were conflicted, that you made any appropriate statements out of court. So the answer is no. He didn't want to do that in September of 2021, like he said two weeks ago, or was said in the courtroom. They did everything they could not to do, but the calendar forced the plea. And there was all this about pretrial publicity, that somehow I caused pretrial publicity and others and people who wrote about it and podcasters or whatever. Boy, is that rich. The defense attorney himself is a podcaster. He started a podcast after the murder trial. They went to CrimeCon and they talked for two days about the case. They've done press conferences. They've done documentaries. They've gone on TV. If there's any pretrial publicity, it's caused in part by them. And they still came before you to say that Mr. Murdoch couldn't get a fair trial. Ellick, you're a broken person. I don't think you're going to lie in bed at night and have people come to you. I don't think that those people matter. And I don't know when that happened. But clearly it happened where you matter more. And I feel bad for you as a result of that. I knew Paul and Maggie. I knew you. A lot of people thought they knew you. Clearly we didn't. I don't think you've always been this way, but somewhere along the way, you became broken. One attorney even suggested that Alex's attorneys sell bobbleheads to raise money for the victims, since the stolen money has never been recovered. Instead, though, Alex would like you to believe that he spent around $10 million on pills. But most people were not born yesterday, and some have speculated that the money is in fact hidden somewhere, maybe even on an island in the Caribbean. And a lot of people think that because of the airplane track at Moselle, the Murdoch family home, that Alex could have had a small plane pick him up or do anything really. Nobody really knows. Like I said, it's all just really speculation at this point. But I do want to say, too, in regards to the money... I have found it interesting that good old Buster has just stood by his dad through and through. And part of me wonders in all of that if it's because either I originally thought that maybe his dad had dirt on him because of, you know, past things. I Sorry, I'm going, I'm trailing off. But like, at first I thought it was because maybe he had secrets on Buster. But now I'm wondering if it's because Buster still has access to all of this money and he has to keep quiet. I don't know. My mind, The wheels are turning in my mind. It's again, it's all speculation at this point. So the victims also spoke directly to Alex and they were calling him out on his lies, his bullshit, everything. And all of their statements were extremely powerful. So I do want to play them for you. 
Um, I do have one request. Do you mind if I face that way? That'd be fine. Um, because when I talk to people, I like facing who I'm talking to. Thank you. Um, I really don't have words. You lied. You cheated. You stole. Um, you betrayed me and my family and everybody else. And you did it at a cost of my mom's death, first of all. Um, you, a couple of October ago, you wrote a half-hearted, I'm sorry letter, um, which was half-hearted because you're actually just not following through that. You're really sorry. Um, so I'm going to read you. I have an apology. I'm sorry that you feel like you had to betray us, steal from us, cheat us, and lie to us. Um, I'm sorry that your family has to now go through what they're going to have to go through the rest of their life because of your actions of what you did. Um, I, I want you to know that I forgive you. Um, I will pray for you every day um, that God gets a hold of your heart. Um, and you may not know the gospel, so I'm going to share it with you. The gospel is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's how people are able to forgive people and able to do right and able to pray for those who hurt them and do things to them. So my heart is with you. Uh, my prayers are with you. And I just wish the best for you. Mr. Addicts. I've been waiting on this day. I've been waiting on this day to look in your eyes. Unlike a lot of these people here, these victims, I got a lot of intimate, intimate stuff that I could say. You remember all those wildlife hunts I had for law enforcement? Your entire family was the guest of honor. Mr. Buster, Judge Eldroff, insisted on me taking care of them for the day. You don't know how many brownie points you've got in my life from just that. I trusted you with everything. I didn't want to come up here and bash you, but I gotta ask you, what kind of animal are you? I, I, I can't even I can't even go over my notes. I'm not here to be your judge. Ultimately that belongs to the good Lord and Savior. But may he have mercy on your soul. I didn't want to see you when I saw you on TV in an orange jumpsuit, it hurt me. Still what mad at you. Was this judicial system put together a system to deal with people that make bad choices? And my friend, you chose to make the choice you made. So I need the judge to know that I am full favor. I am in full favor of the court's recommendation for the 27 years. I can go back to us going to mediation that you affected my wife. You chose to have Maggie deal with us those two days we were in Charleston in mediation. She catered to us hand and foot. You told me where to go and check into my room. We did. From that point, we never drove another foot. Neither did you. Maggie drove us everywhere we went. When all this came about, Paul, Paul, and Maggie, I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. 
But after sitting here today and hearing some of the devious things that you did to people, these victims here, changed my mind, bro. Once again, I ask you, what kind of animal are you? Boy, I gave you my all. I would do the money you stole from me, you could have asked me for it, and I would have gave it to you if that's how I felt about you and your family. You didn't have to steal it from me, man. Then came Alex, who of course could just not help himself but to speak at his sentencing. And he spoke at length, guys. And his statement really pissed off a lot of people, including me. Now, believe it or not, the most bullshit part wasn't that he spent about 15 minutes talking about the victims and spent the rest of his 45-minute speech talking about Buster, other family members, and family friends. No, 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 no. The worst part is that during the 15 minutes that he actually spoke to the victims, it was full-blown narcissistic gaslighting manipulation of all of the victims. I mean, to the nth degree, third power, square-rooted, whatever you want to call it. Alex said numerous times that he wishes that they knew how bad he felt, how sorry he is. Uh, it's not about you, bro. I can't even bring myself to listen to the whole thing again, but I do want to play a couple little clips for you just to paint the picture and illustrate what a complete total douchebag this guy really is. Sorry, guys. I know I'm getting wild, but listen. I want all of each of you that spoke uh, to know that I listened to you. I heard you. Your pain and your hurt is palpable. I get it. It's reasonable. And I promise you that it resonates with me. I understand it. I hope that the time will come when you can look back and know that despite the things that I did, that I care about each one of them. Because I did. I did terrible things. Each of you placed your trust in me. I was very proud of that. And I'm still today honored by that fact. But I deceived each of you. Terrible. I did terrible things. Things that I'm thinking about right now. Caused me to be hurt. Caused me to be disturbed. It is so important to me that you know how bothered that I am by the things that I did. That's important to me. One of the things that, that bothered me was knowing how I hurt the ones I love the most, the worst. And you all are included in that sentence. I hope you know that. Tony and JJ, I really want to take you up on your offer that uh, you proposed earlier. But I also hope that in time <coughs> that each of you will be willing to talk with me because I would like, as time moves on, to continue to reiterate just how sorry I am. Now, the amount of times that he said, I, 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 me, 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 it was seriously unnerving. He also tried to use emotional manipulation tactics by saying how much he still cares for the victims and how close they were to his heart, just using all of this like flowery language to describe them. But here's the problem. He says he loved them so much and how much they meant to him, yet he still lied and he still stole from them. And that was when they were counting on him the most. 
A lot of people have also brought up the point that if Alex was really sorry, he'd also tell people where the money was. He also said that he hopes that getting sentenced to 27 years will help the victims in their healing process. I will tell you that while I am pleading guilty for a number of reasons, all of which I believe are valid, none, none of those reasons is more prominent than my hopes that seeing me punished will help each of you heal and begin to be able to put this behind you. Because I can see it. I mean, I can see. I can feel. I know what you've been through. Almost acting like he is some type of martyr, essentially saying, I'm going to be in jail for you guys because I want you all to heal, without directly saying that. It is just so absolutely filthy, trash, disgusting. Now, beyond that part, the rest of his statement was all about his family, nothing to the victims. He apologized to Buster for the media and social media blaming Stephen Smith's death on him. He even used this as a chance to say he's not guilty of the murders of Maggie and Paul. He also adamantly repeated, I would never hurt Maggie or Paul multiple times. I'm going to start with Buster. I am so sorry that I let you down. I am so sorry. I am so very sorry that the things that I did and that I am pleading guilty to here today have somehow caused some people, especially people on social media and some people in the media, to somehow believe that based on the things that I did, that it's somehow okay to make faults baseless, unsubstantiated claims against you that are not only based on no facts and no evidence whatsoever, but are also not based on any semblance of reality whatsoever. And I am so sorry that you have had to go through that. Next, I'd like to address and speak to my mom, my brothers, my sister, my nieces and my nephews, who I love dearly, my aunts, uncles, cousins, and the rest of my family. I am so sorry that I let each of you down. I am so sorry that I humiliated each of you. One more thing, JJ, going back, I do want to tell you as to how close I feel to you. My wife loved you, and you are absolutely right about everything you said, but you are dead wrong about one thing, and I would never hurt Maggie, and I would never hurt Paul. And it is important to me that you know that. Because she did love you, and I hope you know that. And I hope you know that I mean what I say here today. I now apologize to every single person who cares about Maggie and about Paul. Because I know that the things 
that I did, that I'm pleading guilty here today, allowed SLED and the Attorney General's office to focus on me and not to pursue the person for the people who hurt and kill Maggie and Papa. It was like he was using this opportunity to just talk about whatever the hell he wanted to in a room full of media, which, bro, let me remind you, this is regarding your financial crimes, not on your murder convictions, not on you being a great person. So beat it. Judge Newman accepted the plea agreement and he was sentenced to 27 years. He also had some very harsh words for Alex. You're quite an an enigma, uh, a person that many of us thought we knew. Um, And as I stated earlier, I can only recall you as being a fun-loving, happy person. I've never uh, I've never seen you sad. I've never seen you um, being anything other than a friendly, caring person. The question was asked, what kind of animal are you? Um, You're an enigmatic person. Um, I don't know that you understand yourself. Um, What comes to mind is a young man that I sentenced to death penalty for killing a police officer and setting his body on fire and though personally I was opposed to capital punishment uh, he was sentenced to death and in writing up that sentence report I I concluded that he was heartless he was just empty and when I see you and I listen to you and I reflect on all that I've seen since being appointed uh, assigned to these cases uh, you come closest to that young man being empty I don't see anything I, I tried to reach you at at sentencing in the other case uh, I, I've listened to you here today um, and I don't I don't see anything there hopefully hopefully something will emerge within your spirit within your soul uh, so many of us do things that we shouldn't uh, shouldn't do just unimaginable unimaginable to me that you have done some of the things that you've done and um, whether it's you or someone you become upon using drugs or through the process of of just committing the crimes over and over um, over the period of years uh, I don't know I don't know I don't even know who I'm speaking to now For now, Alex is still working on getting a new murder trial, which who knows if that'll be granted or not. And I keep thinking back to the Murdoch murders, a Southern Scandal season two that came out on Netflix, and at the end, Blanca, the housekeeper, and Maggie's friend, saying that a lot of people believe that Alex is guilty, yet still believe another person is involved, but that people, including herself, are too scared to talk about it. It seems like if there was another person, at least in my opinion, all of that stolen money could be with them. But in reality, how would the FBI or SLED not have been able to find this person or even a paper trail of any kind linking Alex to someone else in that kind of way? That really doesn't make sense either. 
All I know is, in my mind, this guy is guilty. I think he is a sleazeball. I think he is just like so grimy, disgusting, and dirty. I think there are tons of other secrets that we don't even know about that are buried within this hellhole of a family. So we'll see what happens over the next few months, years, what happens with Buster. There's just something that doesn't smell right in this Carolina swamp-ass family. Sorry, but that's my opinion. Now, guys, I know I just got heated with all of the Alex Murdoch updates, but I can't help it. He is a complete filthy, disgusting person. And there's another filthy, disgusting person I want to talk to you about. It's this woman in South Korea who was obsessed with true crime and wanted to murder and see what it was like to actually kill somebody. But first, I just got to shout out today's episode sponsor, Beam, because it's really important to me to only work with sponsors of products that I actually genuinely love and personally use. So I'm really excited to share with you something that I actually use on a nightly basis that has quite literally changed my life. I use it every single night. Now, if you sleep like a baby every single night, this is definitely not for you. But if you have a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep like me, get ready to have your life completely changed. You see, Dream is a cup of healthy hot cocoa that is formulated to help you get your best night's sleep. It comes in a variety of flavors, and they are absolutely chef's kiss uh, so delicious. They have cinnamon cocoa, sea salt caramel, which... helpful hint is literally just tastes like hot chocolate that's my favorite that's the one I drink every night they have chocolate peanut butter golden milk and chocolate raspberry it literally tastes like dessert guys but get this there's no added sugar and it's only 15 calories I drink it about 30 minutes before I want to be asleep so like between 7 30 and 8 p.m because I go to sleep like I'm a toddler and it helps me fall asleep fast stay asleep I don't wake up groggy it's the best and now get this beam is having its biggest sale of the year and for a limited time they are offering 50% off your first month subscription. Yes, I said that right. 50% off. This is a very exclusive offer that they've only done once before and it might not ever be back. So make sure you stock up now. And look, the numbers don't lie. In a clinical study, 93% of participants reported Dream helped them get better sleep. And I'm definitely part of that 93%. So go to shopbeam.com slash Annie Elise and shop their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off. And don't miss out on this limited time offer. The discount is auto applied, so there's no code necessary. I also will put the link in the description box. But again, that is shopbeam.com slash Annie Elise. And guys, I think that this is all going to help you sleep after the case that we're about to talk about next because it's a wild one. So trust me on this. Try it for any sleeping issues, but especially after hearing all of these true crime cases on the reg. So let me talk to you about this chick. So many people have been sending me this article. They've been DMing me on Instagram, which... P.S. is at underscore Annie Elise. So throw me a follow and send me all of your recommendations. But people have been like DMing me this case. They've been commenting it, emailing it, all of the things. And this story has been absolutely wild and going around like literal wildfire. It's a 23-year-old woman in South Korea named Jung Yoo Jung, and she was a complete unemployed loner who lived with her grandfather. During this time, she told her grandfather that she was studying to become a civil servant, but that was a complete bullshit lie. Instead, she had been looking for potential victims for months, using this online tutoring app to find a target. Police say that she contacted around 54 different tutors before finally choosing her target who was a 26-year-old woman who offered English lessons at her home. Her family has not wanted her name released, though, so for this story, we're just going to call her Ashley. 
So Yoo Jung contacted Ashley through this tutoring app while posing as the mother of a ninth grade girl who needed English lessons. So in May, Ashley scheduled a time for Yoo Jung's fictitious daughter to come to Ashley's house for those lessons. When the tutoring session was scheduled, Yoo Jung showed up dressed in a school uniform that she bought online, so it looked like she was actually the daughter, which I know sounds really crazy and kind of like orphan movie-like, but Yoo Jung looks very young, so it worked. So after Ashley yet Yoo Jung in, she attacked Ashley, stabbing her more than 100 times, and even continued attacking her after Ashley had died. Police found all of this out later, after Yoo Jung confessed, but initially, the way police figured out a crime had occurred is deeply disturbing. You see, one night, a taxi driver picked Yoo Jung up around 3 a.m. near Ashley's apartment. Yoo Jung was rolling a suitcase with her. Yoo Jung insisted that she didn't need help loading the suitcase in the back of the taxi, and then she asked to be driven to a nearby park that had a river nearby. So the taxi driver took her to this location, and then after dropping her off, decided to park nearby and go over on a smoke break. After a short time passed, Yoo Jung was seen walking toward the taxi again, but this time it was really obvious that the suitcase was much lighter than before, and this because of how Yoo Jung was easily rolling it around like it had nothing inside of it. Now, the details of this are a little unclear, but it's been said by some sources that the taxi driver noticed that the suitcase was bloody either when Yoo Jung initially loaded it in the taxi for the first time or when she tried to get a ride the second time. But either way, this taxi driver knew something extremely suspicious was going on and decided to call the police and said that a customer had dumped a blood-soaked suitcase in the woods. Police investigated and found the remains, which later turned out to be Ashley's. And when they went to Ashley's house, it was clear that a crime had occurred there. Police said that after she had murdered Ashley, Yoo Jung went to buy trash bags and bleach before returning to cut her up and dismember Ashley's body, including cutting off her fingers in an attempt to make it more difficult to identify her by her fingerprints. Also, in order to make it look like Ashley had disappeared, Yoo Jung kept her mobile phone, her ID card, and wallet, attempting to commit a perfect crime. Well... So much for trying to commit the perfect crime, because police said that her online browsing history for the previous three months showed that she had researched for months on how to kill and how to get rid of a body. They also said she was careless after murdering Ashley and took no effort to avoid CCTV cameras, which captured her entering and leaving Ashley's home several times to purchase the trash bags, the bleach, and other cleaning supplies. I mean, if you look up some of the surveillance videos, it's pretty crazy because she does not appear to be panicked or nervous in any slight way. She looks like she is just going about life as usual. There is also CCTV of when she was rolling the suitcase with her before she took the taxi to the park. After she was arrested, Yoo Jung initially told the police that she had only moved the body after she was killed by somebody else. Later, she claimed that she had accidentally killed Ashley during an argument, so she kept changing her story. Not very smart, Yoo Jung, especially not for a true crime buff, but you know I say it. I love when criminals are this dumb. This dumb to just have everything on their browsing history, to be on footage. I mean, I love to see it because... You think you're so smart and you're committing the perfect crime, but in reality, you are giving all of the evidence required to lock your dirty, filthy ass up. I've been saying dirty and filthy a lot, I feel like, this episode, but whatever. So now she's lying, saying that she claimed that she had accidentally killed Ashley during an argument. But ultimately, she ended up confessing to everything, and she blamed it all on her true crime obsession and her true crime curiosity for what it would be like to kill. 
Police said that Yu Jung was abnormally calm and relaxed when she was arrested and even afterward. And get this, while in custody, Yu Jung was said to have scored very high on a psychopath test that South Korea has. And during her confession, the police learned that she premeditated the crime and it was driven by a desire to kill someone after she became obsessed with murder from TV programs and books. Her library record also shows that she borrowed numerous crime books before the murder. Because she confessed to the crime, Yoo Jung pleaded for a more lenient sentence and claimed that she was suffering from hallucinations or another mental disorder, but the court rejected it because of how the crime was planned as well as how her story changed multiple times throughout. So, poor old Yoo Jung was recently sentenced to life in prison. You big freaking idiot. I mean... Guys, I get it. We're all obsessed with true crime, right? We're fascinated by it for some reason. Some people, it's because you like hearing the unthinkable because you never quite can grasp the reality of it happening in real life. It's almost like a horror movie, not really understanding it's real. Some people, like me, we're fascinated with it because we like to get in the psyche and in the mind of these perpetrators and kind of what drives them to do this and really understand that because it's so difficult to understand as a normal-minded person. We all have our reasons, but let me just give you a PSA right now. Regardless of your reason for being interested and fascinated with true crime, please do not take it to the extreme of wanting to act on it because that is not a fascination with true crime. That is a psychopath in training. So, if you are a psychopath in training listening to this, please just don't do it. You know, I don't know. Call a friend, phone a friend, do something, chant, do something. But please don't go off killing people. And if you can't, and if you do, please be stupid like you, Jung, and leave all that evidence behind. So with that, guys, we are going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you found it informative. I like giving you guys these little bite-sized updates during the week where we talk about all of the cases going on, some of the updates. It really is helpful for me to wrap my mind around everything going on in the true crime world and staying up to date on all these cases. So I hope that you find it helpful as well. Um, with that, we are going to sign off today. If you would be so kind as to take an extra 30 seconds to write a review over on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps the algorithm, helps the podcast, helps the channel. It's a free way to show support. Also in that, tell me if you like these weekly headline highlights segments because um, I want to know if I should keep doing them as we go into 2024. All right, that is it. I will talk with you guys very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in. And again, sorry for getting a little wild and crazy in today's case. All right, talk with you guys soon and have a good one. Bye.